I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it gets very difficult because my words are so feeble to talk about how good he's been. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a living testimony. If anybody's ever going through cancer, high five right now. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. High five right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he delivered me out of cancer in 2011. So I'm so thankful to God. And I told him, I said, Lord, if you, if you bring me through this, every chance I get, I'm going to tell somebody about your faithfulness. So he's been too good. So I, I praise God for him and just I thank Jesus. And to the angel of this house, Pastor Benson. Yes, absolutely. He has been one of my heroes in the faith for years. I have watched him over the years. This great man of God. Loves the Lord. Loves the word of God. And even his career as bringing compassion to those who are struggling with imminent death. Great man of God. Loves the Lord. A visionary. He is a visionary because to my understanding, and y'all family, can we talk? God is doing some great things down Middletown. And he's about to do enormous things down there. And listen, that just doesn't happen by circumstances. That happens by the Lord using the man of God. So him and his lovely wife, Sister Virginia, have been a tremendous blessing to me and my family over the years. And I praise God for them, thank them for this opportunity to stand before you. And then, yes, as you have heard it been said, to my wife of 36 years, amen. Now listen, listen, her name is Tawanda, right? LL Cool J used to have a song called, I Need Me a Roundaway Girl. And one of the first names that he said was, I need a Tawanda. And I took him at his word. And I got me a Tawanda. Amen. And 36 years later, she is my sweetheart. And we are still dating. Amen. Amen. Got my oldest daughter here, Elise. Absolutely. I'm so excited about her and what God is doing in her life. And I praise God for her. And then New Direction family. Listen, this is coming home for me. I done been up in here so many times for men's breakfasts and for watch night services and everything. And some of y'all actually are sitting in my seat. That's how much I've been here. But I praise God for you, family. This is not something that, uh, you know, I just pop up or whatever like that. No, I've been here. Some of y'all I've fellowshiped and been on retreats with and everything like that. And, and I am so grateful to God to be back with you. And listen, I am so looking forward, I mean, really, what God is going to do down Middletown. He is going to set that area on fire through New Direction Bible Fellowship. Y'all get ready. Y'all get ready. Y'all about to see some great and mighty things done, some wondrous things down there. Amen. I call y'all affectionately my cousins down south. Oh, yeah, we up north and y'all down south. Y'all are my cousins. So won't you pray together with me? Our God and our Father, we thank you enormously for this day once again. Thank you for your power. Thank you for who you are, oh God. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. You are faithful. 
And we are so grateful for every opportunity in Lord in which we can just celebrate you. We are not worthy, Lord God. We know that. But who can enter your holy hill but those of a pure heart and clean hands? So we know we're not worthy. But we thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you for every waking moment on this side of glory. And Father, I'm not confused right now. I know that your people have not gathered just to hear from me, but they need to hear from you, oh Father. Won't you speak? Won't you allow your Holy Spirit to speak to your people this morning? Won't you meet expectations that came through these doors? Won't you be glorified this morning as we celebrate you? Bless our time together, oh Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Several years ago, I was at church, and a paraplegic uh, brother was at church. And I knew this brother because he was coming to our church several times and was visiting or whatever like that. And we would joke around, talk about sports and everything like that. And I was happy for this brother, and, and we just had a good time running into each other. Okay? Then one day... I didn't know God was going to use him to change my perspective on ministry. To change my perspective on ministry. So one day as I'm going through the hallway and I'm going towards the bathroom, uh, this brother came past and he wasn't with his nurse this day. And he was outside the bathroom. And he said, um, Brother Dave... I wasn't reverend. He said, Brother Dave, can you help me go to the bathroom? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I thought it was just a matter of opening the door for him. No big deal, right? Just opening the door for him. But he said, no, no, Brother Dave, I need you to help me go to the bathroom. And I said, well, no, let let me go get somebody that maybe can assist you because I've never... I had this situation before. Let me see if I can find somebody in the hallway. He says, I really got to go now. And the Lord spoke to me and says, you help him. I said, wow, Lord. So as I'm helping this brother go to the bathroom or whatever like that, I'm saying to myself, has it really come down to this? Now, I'm, I'm the leader of several ministries and and... I'm working towards my master's degree and, and got, went to Bible college and all these things and working towards going into the ministry and all these types of things. And I'm saying to myself, not openly, but I'm saying to myself, Lord, has it come down to emptying bedpans? Is this what ministry is all about? And the Lord made no bones about it. This is exactly what ministry is about. And I said, wow, Lord, I was not prepared for that. Emptying a bedpan for a brother. Now, I'm not one of them brothers that are high and lofty or whatever like that. I don't, I, listen, I like serving. But this one caught me off guard. This one straightened me out. And the Lord used that to say, guess what? If you're going to serve me, then you're going to serve me with all of your will. 
despite what it might look like, you're going to serve me with all of your will. I want to talk to you this morning around the theme. You got something better to do? Or you got a better reason for being here? Now, you heard John chapter 13, 1 through 17, read into your hearing. This was the Last Supper, and Jesus was fully aware of his imminent death and departure. He sees his betrayal by Judas, and he makes an impression or impassioned demonstration of true servanthood by washing the disciples' feet. You would think that they needed no more explanation about servanthood. I mean, this is what Jesus was doing in his public ministry the whole time he was down here. He was teaching in a warning against hypocrisy in Matthew chapter 23 when he was teaching and he says, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then the sons of Zebedee, mom came on the scene and said, Jesus, can you hook my sons up? Can you put one on the left? You know how mothers and sons are, right? Can you hook up one of my sons on the left? And can you hook up my other son on the right? And Jesus says to her, you don't even know what you're asking. Your sons cannot drink the cup that I'm about to drink. They're going to drink a cup, but it ain't going to be the one that I drink. And furthermore, it's not up to me to give them that right. But then we got the Last Supper. And Jesus and the disciples had just got finished eating the Last Supper. And then guess what? A dispute breaks out. And they say, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest when you set up the kingdom? Now, you would have thought they got it by now, right? Jesus says to him in Luke twenty-two twenty-six, 26, he says, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It's not the one who is at the table, but I am among you, the one that serves. The disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't hear him. The whole time Jesus is walking, he feeds more than 5,000, right? He heals the lame. He restores the sight of the blind. And now they're starting to argument again and say, Jesus, can you hook me up when you set your kingdom up? They didn't get it. But before we point fingers at the disciples, beloved, maybe we need to look at ourselves and see if we're there where we're supposed to be. And we're trusting God with servanthood. Brings me to my first point. Servanthood requires for us to know who you are in Christ. Servanthood requires that you know who you are in Christ. Look at verse 3 of John chapter 13. Jesus knew by all the senses that the Father had put everything under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus was fully aware of his authority. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. The problem with many of us because, guess what? Servanthood requires for us to come out of ourselves to do some things that might not necessarily be in our nature. So what do I mean? 
The problem is, for many of us, we suffer from an identity crisis. Because we think by serving somebody, they're going to take advantage of me. They're going to dog me. They're going to use me. Beloved, do you know who you are? You're a friend of God, sealed by God, justified God, the righteousness of God, heir of God, joint heirs with Christ. How dare you sit up here and think by serving somebody and washing their feet diminishes who you are in Christ Jesus. We got to get that moving forward. I don't care what land you buy. If you go in there with the attitude that, guess what? I'm superior and somebody needs to serve me, then you have missed the market. You are in error. Beloved, let's get this down. I had to learn this. I had to learn this. Why are we so concerned with the perception of others? We can't even watch a football game because you think they're talking about you in the huddle. (laughs) Beloved, come on. Understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Christ died for you that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And now you can't serve? And I'm not just talking about ministry. Because some of us said, okay, I do an hour a week and I'm good. No, ministry doesn't stop once you leave the church. I was so excited. Uh, one of our deacons, matter of fact, he was the chairman of our deacon board. Um, we were at a young adult's wedding and we were celebrating this young adult. Because guess what? Young people ain't getting married no more. Okay, so we were excited. We were celebrating. We were rejoicing with this young person. And one of our deacons, our chairman of the deacon board, was literally parking cars for this young man's wedding. And we got so excited. And beloved, if you're a leader, check this out. John Piper says this, servanthood does not nullify leadership, it defines it. Jesus does not cease to be the lion of Judah when he becomes the lamb-like servant of the church. Get that down. I don't care what office you hold in the church. If you're not ready to pick up a broom, you're not ready to pick up a mop and mop something or empty trash, then you have missed the mark and you are in error. Servanthood requires for you to know who you are in Christ. Servanthood requires a selfless humility. Let's look at verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around the waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, you got to get this. You got to get this. Back then in biblical days, whenever you entered somebody's house, they were responsible for making sure that your feet got washed. Right? Now, the reason why is because you had mud and animal waste and all assorted trash on your feet. But here's the catch. If you were a Jew, you were not supposed to do it. Because it was looked upon and frowned upon that a Jew would take the time to wash somebody's feet. Jesus was actually showing, guess what? I'm going to take it a step further. It does not matter who I am because I know who I am, so therefore I can wash the disciples' feet. Philippians 2, 
chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let not every man look on his own thing, but on the other things of other people. Beloved, you got to get this. You got to get this. Jesus was not concerned about how it looked. That's why Peter said, no, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. You can't, you, no, you, no, you can't wash my feet. You can't wash my feet. Jesus says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. Peter was given a pictorial. Jesus was given a pictorial of what was going on and serving others. And he wanted them to get that. He wanted them to get that. Washing a brother's feet whose marriage is on the rocks. I was talking to a brother last night as I was going over my notes. And the brother tapped me and, and emailed me. And he also even texted me and said, guess what, man? My marriage is dissolving. It's breaking up. I need your help. Can you help me? And I said, well, what is it that you need, brother? He says, listen, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to walk with me. My marriage is on the rocks, and we're about to divorce. We're about to divorce. Beloved, here's my point. If you're going to be the servant of the Most High God, it has to be done through selfless humility. You have to understand who you belong to, and you have to also understand that it takes humility to do what you say do. Beloved, it takes humility. That means, guess what? Wherever I go, whatever I do, it's going to require for me to do it with God's humility. Who is going through a rough time in your church right now? Who have you reached out to? Who on your row is going through a rough time right now? We're coming out of a pandemic right now. What are your people experiencing right now in the pandemic? Some people have lost their jobs. Some people have health crisis. Some people got issues. Have you noticed that? Do you have the servant mindset to say, guess what? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you through the rough patches. Now, because I do practical teaching and practical um, preaching, how about planning a game night for newlyweds and marriages that are struggling? And say, listen, this is how marriages function. How about getting a gift card, a Walmart or ShopRite gift card of groceries for a single mother that's struggling? And dropping it off at her house and say, you know what, sis, your struggle is my struggle. You don't do good unless I do good and vice versa. How about a gift card for Pastor Benson and Sister Virginia? And say, guess what, Pastor? Coffee's on us this, this month. Taking care of the man of God. This man of God works hard. He's worthy of double honor. How about after church taking someone who you know is having a rough time, and you take them out to dinner. And you lavish them not only with dinner, but maybe buy them a gift. Beloved, guess what else? Here's the thing. God gives us a warning in James chapter 4, verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Because God knows that if I bless you with something, guess what? You're going to use it on yourself. What I mean, you praying for a brand new car. Right. And you're saying, Lord, bless me with this brand new car. And the Lord is saying, guess what? If I give it to you, you're going to drive past three people to get to church. that need to ride to church. Thank you, my brother. How about 
making sure somebody is fed? How about walking with somebody that's struggling with addiction? How about walking with a marriage that's going through problem times or whatever like that? How about setting up times where you can spend with people? One of the things that my wife and I do, we identify couples that are going through stuff and we latch onto them quick. And we want them to be successful. Beloved, you got to come outside yourself. It takes humility. It takes you knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. Can't nobody diminish who you are. There was a brother in our church, a brother that was struggling with addiction. Guess what? Another brother saw that he was struggling with addiction. He had conquered addiction. So guess what he did? He went past the brother's house, spent the night outside the brother's house. So when he got that binge or he got that motivation to go out to drugs, he would have to cross over him to get to where he needed to be. He stayed all night with him. This was a brother that was committed to servanthood. This was a brother that was committed to servanthood. Beloved, get this. Servanthood requires for you to know who you are in Christ. Servanthood requires a selfless humility. And then the other thing, to be blessed, pay attention to the servant model. Pay attention to the servant model. Look at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on the clothes and returned to the place. Do you not understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I like this question. Check this out, family. Listen. And usually at this time, I'm walking around. But listen, this is what Jesus is doing. By Jesus making that proclamation, Jesus is putting an indictment on him. He says, guess what? You call me Lord. You call me teacher. Then do what I'd say do. Do what I do. Jesus says, guess what? You call me Lord. Then visit the sick in the hospital. You call me Lord, then feed the hungry, that single parent that's struggling. You call me Lord, then love your wife sacrificially. Why is she driving the hoop day? You love me, you pray for a family that's in trouble. You love me, then Romans 12, 13 says, shares with the Lord's people who are in need. You love me, then wash their feet. Wash their feet. Beloved, as we get ready to go into a new building, a new edifice, as we get ready to go to a new ground, beloved, it is important, it's incumbent upon us to understand that God wants a greater servanthood from us. No longer this lightweight thinking that, okay, I can do an hour a week, okay, as an usher, I can do an hour a week, you know, playing something, I can do an hour a week, and then I'm done, and I'm out. Servanthood requires that we spend time with each other throughout the week, that I check on you, that I make sure that you are, that love is sincere, that you understand that God has a plan for your life and that you do not have to give up and tap out because guess what? I am here. I'm going to make sure that you walk through it. I'm going to make sure that you get through the rough patches. I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need. I'm going to make sure that if I don't have it, I will make sure somebody does. You are my brother. You are my sister. 
If you don't do well, I don't do well. Beloved, that's all I'm trying to say in this sermon. If you don't get nothing else down, think outside yourself. It's not about you. Jesus died for your brother, for your sister, for those that are in your house. That's the other thing, man. How do we treat the people in our house, our wives and our husbands? How do we treat them? Jesus says, wash their feet. Here's the thing about feet washing. It's nasty. It's nasty. There's crumbs. There's all kinds of dirt. There's all types of debris on the feet. Now, listen, some churches still believe in feet washing. This was not an ordinance on foot washing. Jesus wanted them to get the example. Guess what? It's like foot washing. In other words, meet the need. Meet the need. Beloved, let's get to the point. And if you still don't believe me, how Jesus meant about servanthood, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. If you still are unsure what Jesus meant by foot washing, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Jesus was serious about servanthood. You know what the problem that, that the Jews had with Jesus? They were looking for someone to come on a white horse with flaming swords. Okay? They wanted somebody to take out Rome. And here's Jesus coming as a lowly servant. And they had a problem with that. They had a problem with that. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon the very form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I said every knee shall bow. Under things under heaven and things under the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We started out talking about a bedpan. Guess what? I thought about that bedpan and I said, well, you know what, Lord? You got me cleaning this bedpan. And that's okay. You got me cleaning this bedpan. I learned that lesson. Okay? Now when I see the brother, I'm asking that brother, listen, you all right? You need me to go to the bathroom with you? I got you. Okay? I have no problem with a bedpan now. But I started to ask myself, guess what? Bedpan on one side, dying in my trespasses and sins on the other side. What's the equation? Do you mind doing the bedpan, or would you have rather died in your trespasses and sins? Is anybody under the sound of my voice grateful that they're not dying under the trespasses and sins? Is anybody excited under the sound of my voice that said, listen, Lord, thank you. He who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might be the righteousness of God. Is anybody excited under the sound of my voice 
that God died for you, that God arose for you on the third day for your justification, that you might have life and life more abundantly. What does that mean, life more abundantly? Jesus died that you might have superiority in quality and quantity, not a knockoff life, but a real life, an authentic life, an original life. What does it also mean? Jesus died that you might have the advantage in life. Guess what? When you walk out of this place, guess what? Wherever you might go, whether it be school, whether it be in the job, whether it be in the marketplace, whether it be in your house, guess what? You had the advantage in life because Jesus Christ died for you that you might have the advantage in life. I don't know what else it takes for you to celebrate who Jesus is, but guess what? I'm excited about him dying. I don't mind serving somebody now because guess what? He served me over 2,000 years ago. They hung him high. And they stretched him wide. And then he hung his head. And then he died. But guess what? That's not how the story ends. Because in three days, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. I don't need to be scared about the night because Jesus got my back. Jesus is in front of me. He's on the side of me. He's in back of me. He's got me. I don't know what it takes for you. Are you excited about a relationship with Jesus Christ? You came in this morning praising. I hope you leave out of here praising. I hope you leave out of here celebrating who he is and giving him glory. Amen. He's worthy to be praised, y'all. He's worthy to be praised. Are you in your right mind? Are you clothing your right mind? Do you have movement of your limbs? Are you excited about what he's done in your life? Then you ought to praise him. I'm not trying to geek you up. I'm just trying to tell you how it is. He's worthy to be praised. Go and wash somebody's feet. When you leave out of here today, go and wash somebody's feet. Call somebody up that's struggling and say, you know what, brother? I got you now. Call a sister up and say, you know what? I heard your dilemma and everything, and I'm going to come over there and help you out. Maybe I might wash your bathtub out for you. Maybe I might clean your bathroom. Maybe I might make a meal for you because of what Jesus has done for me. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There might be someone that came into this place this morning. Man, woman, boy, or girl, you came into this place this morning. And you came for another reason. You came to just hear singing and preaching or whatever like that. If you're here this morning, man, woman, boy, or girl, Jesus died for you. He wants to have a relationship with you, even right now. If you're under the sound of my voice, and you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, the doors of the church are open.